Today, we have another one of our exclusive Rider Skills episodes. And for this one, we've got Coach Ramey Stroud, world-renowned rider trainer. You know, in my mind, a big part of getting better at something is understanding the mechanics or concepts behind it. And that is what I like about the way Coach Ramey Stroud teaches. His, he starts with knowledge. He teaches the underlying concepts about something. And then he teaches us how to do it. So th- this approach makes it easier to learn. And then when you get out there riding on your bike, if you have trouble mastering the skill, you can sort of think things through because you already understand why you're doing it, not just how to do something. And uh, I think that old adage applies to this too. You know, give a person a fish, they have a meal teach a person to fish and they become better riders or something like that anyway i'm jim martin this is adventure rider radio stay with us we got a good one for you Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. Turn any bag into motorcycle luggage with this unique strapping system that's easy to use and switch from one bike to another. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding, which has gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com That's www.greenchiliadv.com The MotoBreeze chain oiler is powered by wind pressure that automatically adjusts for speed. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers oil to your chain with a felt pad that's mounted on your swing arm, which eliminates the problems of exposed nozzles near your sprockets. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets and forget about the messy spray oil. www.motobreeze.com. That's two I's in there. www.motobreeze.com. Hi, I'm Sam Manicum. Nick Sanders. Terry Borden. Sandy Borden. Jack Borden. Graham Field. Austin Vince. Jason Spafford. Lisa Murray. David Peterson. Rachel. Ed March. Glenn Hitstead. Dr. Gregory W. Fraser. Dave Barr. Michelle Lampier. Tiffany Coates. Herbert Schwanz. Zoe Cannell. Nathan Millward. Graham Hoskins. Joe Ross. Jeremy Craker. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Simon Pavey. Grant Johnson. Robert Wick. Seth Simon. Elizabeth Martin. Carol DeBell. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Best Dress Products is home of the Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire and Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. Whether you're on the road or off the road, you're going to want a compact and reliable tire inflation method, and the Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. It's the one we use here at Adventure Rider Radio, made in the USA, and comes with a lifetime warranty. And Motorcycle Consumer News Magazine just chose the Cycle Pump as their top pick in a compressor shakedown. Their website, www.cyclepump.com. Max BMW Motorcycles has been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter too. It's free. maxbmw.com. That's maxbmw.com. for our rider skills segment here is coach Ramey Stroud coach Ramey Stroud welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio oh thanks for having me it's good to be back but um, uh, right now I'm looking out the window and it is sunny uh, the sky is blue there's not a cloud in the sky 
And I think we ought to go out to the shop and get the bikes and go for a ride and talk about this stuff on the trail. <laughs> exactly. What are we doing inside when, when there's a riding day <laughs> exactly. out there? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll make the, I'll make the sacrifice for you. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Today, we're looking for what? We're looking for traction, aren't we? Yeah, traction is kind of an interesting subject because, you know, everybody thinks they knows what it is, but uh, the reality is um, a lot of us don't think about managing it. And so uh, today, I think it's going to be kind of a fun topic because we can talk about all the different ways that we can influence traction on a motorcycle for acceleration and braking and most especially for turning. Before we lose anybody who's listening and thinks, oh, no, I, I, I don't want to hear about traction, give us some examples on uh, the, uh, the difference of understanding traction to not, like the places where it would make all the difference for us. Well, let's say that um, we're going down the, the trail and uh, we have a deer or something jump out in front of us and all of a sudden we go to the front brake and the front forks compress just before the front wheel starts skidding. Um, one of the things that we can do is change our body position a little bit so that we can prevent that skid, come to a stop and miss the deer. And so when we talk about traction, we're also talking about control function and body position. In other words, how to ride the bike efficiently and safely. So same sort of thing, if we were coming down a steep hill, um, our body position can make all the difference of either, in some cases, making it or not. Well, it, making it on two wheels or on the side of the bike <laughs> sliding down the hill. Right. <laughs> and two wheels is what we want. <laughs> yeah, we're working on it. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. So don't worry about this idea of traction being too technical. Because we're going to do everything we can to make it uh, real life. Uh, the kinds of things you can do to make your riding more fun and safer. So where do we start with this when we're looking for traction? Well, let me ask you a question. What is it? Traction is um, uh, resistance between two objects, I guess, uh, friction, really, between two objects. Sure. And um, in the sense of motorcycles, it's the tires uh, being pulled by gravity down into the riding surface. But um, gravity, that's the part I want to talk about for just a minute. So let's assume for a moment, like... Uh, Elon Musk uh, just sent a Tesla up into space, that you're on your bike and you're riding out in space. What do you weigh? Nothing. Uh, that's correct. You, you have mass, but you have no weight. So let's say you ride a little closer to the earth and you get into the gravity well and it starts pulling you down through the atmosphere. Um, you don't have weight until you actually touch the ground. So in other words... Um, you've got to have full contact with the tires into the ground with this weight pulling them together. And so weight management is what traction is all about. Now, if we're talking about the bike, just the way it's set up, uh, weight management is uh, generally referred to as weight bias. Uh, the full weight of the motorcycle is carried by two tires and uh, how much of that weight of the motorcycle is carried by the front and how much by the back. Uh, on our race bikes, we want to set it up where it's 50-50, as close as we can get, and that at that teeter-totter point between front and back is about where our foot pegs are. But most of the bikes aren't there. 
for example, um, oh, let's say a BMW 650GS. They're a little bit tail heavy because the gas tank's under the seat and the design of the bike. So the teeter-totter point is behind the foot pegs. Um, anyway, so why does this make any difference to us? Well, let's say that uh, on that 650GS, I'm looking for acceleration traction. In other words, I'm rolling on the gas. If I'm heavy in the back, uh, I've got better traction to go forward. Uh, I also have better traction to use the rear brake. But my front end under acceleration might be a little light, and so I don't have maybe quite the steering I want. I've got uh, what's called understeering. And that I might be able to push the front end a little bit with that bike if I'm on the gas too much and and I'm trying to turn. So I want to be able to move some of that weight forward while I'm riding. And I can do that with body position. So weight bias can be influenced by control function or by body position. Uh, One other thing that we can't control, it's also the pitch of a hill. If we're going downhill, there's a weight shift forward to the front wheel, if we're going uphill, there's a weight shift forward to the back wheel that we have to compensate for with body position. So weight bias is... What causes the weight shift? uh, Gravity. In other words, the support force under the motorcycle uh, going downhill uh, is sloped down uh, towards the front wheel. And so the front wheel will get heavier than the rear wheel. And that's one of the reasons why the back brake is so easy to slide going downhill. And then the opposite, of course, going uphill, the front end gets light. And so we tend to lose steering. So we've got to come forward into a more aggressive riding position to try to get that front end back down on the ground. And also to help us to stay upright on the bike, uh, that we're not hanging on to the handlebars because we're falling over backwards. But we're going to get to that. So in today we're talking about weight bias and, and we need to color that picture in a little bit more. And I'd like to do that by saying that there are three centers of gravity on a motorcycle. Do you know what they are? Uh, I do. There, it's the motorcycle center of gravity, the rider yeah. center of gravity, and then the combined mass center of gravity between the two. Exactly. And gravity tends to work down through that combined center of mass um, to uh, pull the motorcycle into the riding surface. So our ability to move that combined center of mass around on the motorcycle is the same thing as our ability to move weight forward and backwards and left and right. So the way we do that is we move our body on the bike and ultimately influence Uh, where that center of mass is. Um, There are four basic riding positions that we're going to talk about in a little bit. And um, just a preview, seated, uh, neutral standing position that I call scout, uh, an acceleration uphill position called uh, attack, and then a downhill braking position. And each of those are to be able to influence weight on the motorcycle. Okay, so what we're really talking about here, I guess, is is moving around on the bike, moving our body around on the bike to control the bike better, like in a very simple sense. Sure, to change the amount of weight that's pushing a particular tire into the ground. Um, let's let's give a real world example. Uh, so you're sitting on your bike, 
and you're pulling away from a stop and you're rolling on the grass. It's a good day. You're feeling great. So maybe you're rolling on the grass gas pretty aggressively. Um, if you have telescopic forks, what are they going to do when you roll on the gas? Extend. Yeah, the front end gets light. And if you really whack it on, the front wheel comes off the ground. When the Depending on your bike, extend, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Uh, so uh, the idea is that uh, we're experiencing the front end getting light, meaning less weight. And so if I continue to roll the gas on and keep the front end light, I'm not going to have as good a steering. And if I'm in an off-road surface that maybe is a little bit loose, it's going to be a lot easier for me to push the front end or tuck the front end and fall. So I need to come forward with my body to push that front end back down to compensate for the acceleration. Now, do you know why the front end gets light? Uh, torque. Yeah, well, it's the torque of the rear wheel at the tire down at the ground level that's pushing the bike forward. But the center of the mass of the bike and the rider, the combined center of mass, is actually higher than the rear wheel and forward. So what happens is that center of mass wants to stay in place. And, and uh, what I'm talking about now is Sir Isaac Newton and his first law of motion, that objects at rest stay at rest except when interrupted by a net external unbalanced force. So that's kind of a technical thing, but... Okay, just in case you're a lover of science and you want to hear that again, I'm just going to play that again. Hang on. What I'm talking about now is Sir Isaac Newton and his first law of motion, that objects at rest stay at rest except when interrupted by a net external unbalanced force. So that's kind of a technical thing, but basically uh, objects at rest stay at rest. So your bike... Uh, for, at a stop, it wants to stay at rest, but the rear wheel is accelerating under it and forward, and it sets up a rotation at the rear axle. In other words, the whole bike wants to rotate, and as it rotates, the front forks extend, and then when you get to full extension of the forks, if you're still accelerating, then the front wheel wants to come up off the ground. And so you just did a wheelie with your right hand. Which can be great for some things. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's times where you'd want that, isn't there? I mean, if you were going over a log, for instance, you'd want to lighten up the front end. Um, if you're maybe running through sand, you might want to lighten up the front end. Absolutely. So this is just one of those tools in your rider's toolbox that uh, because I understand a little bit about um, center of mass and weight and acceleration, I can place my rear uh, front wheel wherever I want to, uh, either with body position or control function. But let's reverse it for a moment. Let's say that I'm going down the road and uh, I need to, to slow down or stop for a turn that's coming up. Isaac Newton's law of motion, first law of motion, also says that objects uh, in motion stay in motion except when interrupted by a net external force, unbalanced external force. So you've got this mass of the bike moving forward and uh, we commonly call it uh, momentum. Um, technically, it's inertia. And now we've got a braking force uh, of our front wheel and the tire. And so the braking force is going backwards under the bike, 
while the mass of the bike, which is higher, is still going forward, and it sets up a, a rotation like a wheelie, only this time it's around the front axle. So now the rear wheel wants to come up off the ground into a stoppy, uh, which is sometimes called a nose wheelie. And so if we still want to apply the brakes, we've got to compensate with our body by going backwards into a, a braking position and try to move our body weight back over the rear of the bike and keep that rear wheel planted in into the ground. Otherwise, we lose uh, steering control because we've pushed the front end too, too much into the riding surface, and uh, we've also lost rear brake. Um, now, now, these type of movements that you're describing here, these will make a big difference for the average rider, right? Well, every rider who tends to... Uh, ride a little more aggressively um, or off-road where you, you need to be a little more uh, aggressive in some of the surfaces that we ride on. But if you are a, a road rider and you're, you're just very, very conservative, you need to be aware of these things for control function, but you're probably not going to be moving your body around as aggressively as, as off-road riders do. So if, if you're just riding the highway and you're just going down, um, you know, smiling and happy, you, you're not going to be needing to move your body around quite as much. But if you're a dual sport rider or an adventure rider that's trying to get down a rough trail or a tough road, you better know this stuff because you're probably going to be on your side if you don't. And the thing is with, with bikes, like dual sports and particular adventure bikes, is yes, they're made to do some off-road, but there's a lot of things you're fighting against. One mainly being that it's they tend to be very large and, and very heavy in comparison to a dirt bike. So you've got to use you know sort of all of your skills to make this thing perform in an off-road situation or a technical situation. Sure, and if you don't have those skills then you tend to work way, way too hard and you're going to be picking the bike up a lot. So I don't know. It seems to me that to take the time to you know, learn some of these things and practice them just makes uh, the quality of life so much better on the motorcycle that you're out there having fun instead of picking it up all the time. So before we get into um, talking about actually moving around on our motorcycles, I sort of want to go back to something you mentioned just a minute ago. You said rider's toolbox. And I think that's a really good point that you make by, by using that term, rider's toolbox, in that there isn't just one way, as they say, to skin a cat. Well, the metaphor that I use is um, uh, a rollaway toolbox. You know, you, you go out to my shop and you take a look at my toolbox and it's about you know, five feet tall and about six feet wide, and it's got drawers everywhere. And it's just, every time I see it, I smile, because when I'm working on a bike, if I need a wrench, I can go over and pull a drawer open, and, and there's a drawer full of, of open-ended wrenches. The next drawer are closed-end or box wrenches. The next drawer is combination wrenches, and the drawer after that are the ratchets. In other words, I've got a lot of different tools that I can use to take a bolt off of a, a nut off of a bolt. Well, the metaphor, the visualization is skills are exactly the same way and that there's a lot of ways to, to ride the bike in different situations. Uh, for example, a, a turn. I can do a seated turn or a standing turn. I can do a slow speed counterbalance turn or a high speed counter steering turn. 
I can uh, carve the turn where both wheels are tracking together or I can step the rear end out. Um, if I'm really going fast, I might do a two-wheel drift to the turn. I mean, there are so many different ways to do a turn that if an instructor ever says to you, you, you have to do this turn in this one way, for me, that's a red flag. Uh, no, there's uh, so many different ways that you can get a turn done that it's got to be for that particular situation. You just pick the right tool and make it happen. So the writer's toolbox is a skill box. And everything that we're trying to do is to give you a bigger and bigger toolbox. So when you're out there, you've got a lot of different options. Okay, what's next? Well, we've already got a pretty good start. Um, this idea of momentum and inertia is a really important part of managing traction. So let's, uh, let's go to standing up on the foot pegs, uh, going from a seated to a standing position, and then we'll build into some more aggressive riding. Um, first of all, we want to really emphasize that our primary connection with the motorcycle is from the waist down that we're using our boots and our inner leg and our knees uh, uh, to be able to connect with the motorcycle in order to take some of the tension off of our shoulders and arms and hands on the grips. In other words, we're not hanging on to the motorcycle for dear life. Now, once in a while in a tough situation, yeah, we're going to hold on more aggressively. But most of the time we're trying to keep relatively soft hands on the grips so that we have great steering and control function, very smooth throttle, very smooth clutch and friction zone, and very smooth front braking. So primary connection from the waist down is, is a, an important thing for you to be thinking about. The, the next thing to think about is um, everything on a motorcycle, all the body positions start from being what I call gravity neutral. So if, if you were to take a string and put a weight on the end of it, or like a carpenter's plumb bob, um, the string is the fall line of gravity. So if I'm sitting on my bike, I kind of want to be gravity neutral to start with. And then I can start to respond to the forces of acceleration or braking or turning from that basic position. So soft hands and gravity neutral are my starting point. Now, for moving around on the motorcycle in a seated position, I'm fairly limited because I can basically only move from the waist. But it's surprising how many people don't really do that. And uh, what we do in training is we'll take the bikes and we'll put them on the center stand or up on a box. And we'll say, okay, take your hands off the handlebars and kind of put them out to your side now. And what can you touch on the motorcycle with your hands and can you touch your headlight and you'd be surprised how many people can't go forward without falling to touch their headlight or their number plate um, so we emphasize that lower body connection and a little bit of core tension and pretty soon they're up there with their hands on their number plate and we do the same thing can you rotate around and touch your taillight can you come off to the side and go down and touch your left foot peg and these exercises help us really emphasize our connection with the motorcycle. The next thing we do is uh, we go from a seated 
to a standing position. And I'll watch the, the guys and the ladies, and you'd be surprised how many of them pull themselves up with their, their arms and shoulders. And I guess for me, that's probably the number one mistake that I would say that, that most off-road riders do. Uh, and the way that we kind of correct that, improve it, is um, we use the analogy of a chair. So let's say that instead of sitting on a motorcycle, you're sitting in a chair. Now stand up. And people stand up, and then I say, okay, sit down. You just did that without pulling yourself up with the handlebars. How did you do it? And a lot of times people, you know, they'll kind of think for a minute and scratch their head and say, I don't know, I just did it. And they say, okay, well, let's break it down a little bit. Do you notice that just before you stood up, you leaned forward, or I call it fold forward, and you brought your mass, your center of mass, from over your butt to over your feet. And then you used your legs to go up. Try to get up out of a chair without that fold. And the reality is, in the classroom, they can't do it. That as long as your center of mass is over your butt, your legs are just going to push you backwards. And it's the exact same thing on a motorcycle. That when you're sitting on the seat, before you go vertical, you need to fold forward, get your mass over your foot pegs, and then use your legs to go up. You with me? Yeah. You got that visualization? I, I do. And I was just going to say, just to, to sort of uh, reemphasize why this is so important about not pulling yourself up with the handlebars in case anyone's wondering, well, what's the difference? Is that anytime we pull on the handlebars, anytime we hold on for dear life, as, as sometimes happens, you lose a lot of control of the motorcycle, don't you? You lose control of steering, first of all. Um, you become this, this wooden figure sort of mounted to a bike holding on for dear life. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned steering. You know, most of us have a, a primary hand, like we're right-handed. And uh, so sometimes that tends, that shoulder, that arm uh, tends to be a little stronger. And so a lot of times when I see people going from a seated to a standing position, the bike will kind of turn right. Mm. And this because they're, they're pulling a little harder with right. their primary hand. Uh, the other thing that's really tough is uh, if you think about how the throttle works, we roll it on to us. And a lot of times as people uh, pull themselves up with their hands, they inadvertently roll the throttle on. And the bike uh, accelerates and basically it's squirting out from under them, so they're forced back. And as they fall back, they roll the throttle on even more. Uh, I think some folks call it the whiskey throttle. Uh, I call it the wild throttle problem. That if our primary connection is through our hands and our shoulders as we pull ourselves up, then we're setting up that throttle problem. Uh, we want to get away with that, from that. We want to use our lower body connection. We want to fold forward, use our legs to go up and, and not our hands and protect our ability to control a motorcycle. So back to what you were saying, you're, we fold forward and we stand up. That puts us in the scout position? Yeah. Um, the scout position is, uh, we, we build it from the foot pegs up, but uh, one of the things that, uh, before we, we talk about building the position, uh, 
we practice uh, this idea of going from seated to standing with the bikes standing still, engine off. Uh, we'll put them on a the side stand or on a box, and uh, I'll ask the folks to just put your arms out at your side and now stand up. And it takes a little while to get it, but standing still in the garage or in the shop, is it's just a, such an easy way to experiment, an easy way to practice. And then eventually when you can go from seated to standing on your bike just as easily as you can getting out of a chair, then it's time to you know hit the key and clutch out. But most people don't do that. They're trying to learn to stand up while they're bouncing around some grass field someplace and they're not having a good time. Uh, the static training makes it so much easier. So please don't underestimate that, the value of, of doing it in your garage or out in the parking lot on a trip or something. That's a really good point, and it's easy to do. So something that uh, is definitely worthwhile. What's next? Okay, so when you're standing on the foot pegs uh, in a neutral position, scout position, we try to evaluate how we're doing from the foot pegs up. Uh, we start low because we want to emphasize that lower body connection. And one of the first things I want to do is ask you what, what direction are your toes pointed? Why do you think that would be important? Well, I know you're supposed to keep your toes pointed slightly in. And I've always assumed that part of it was catching things, but also it turns your knees into the tank so that you're, you're quicker to get your knees up against tank or a better angle. Sure, because the lower leg works in the same plane, the ankle and the knee work in the same plane. So if you were just standing on the ground and your feet were foot big width apart and you just rotated your upper body 90 degrees to the right or 90 degrees to the left, you'd feel a pretty good pull in your knees. One of the things we want to do is uh, uh, practice lifting our heels up off the ground a little bit and pivoting on the balls of our feet, which means that it's important sometimes if we're going to be mobile on the bike to bring our boot back uh, on the foot peg so that we're on the ball and not in the, uh, uh, I think it's the arch of the foot just in front of the heel. Um, we want the toes to be straight ahead because of the knees. And a lot of times, uh, you know, we'll look at a, somebody's bike and we'll see that they're lever adjustments for brake and, and uh, gear shift are really messed up, uh, that they're not adjusted for the kind of boots they're wearing and whether they sit uh, most of the time or they stand most of the time. So we'll take a few minutes, we'll adjust some levers and uh, get their feet much more mobile on the motorcycle and much more efficient as far as uh, being able to grip the engine cases with the insides of their boots. From there, we work up through the inner leg, and we're looking for contact with the motorcycle there. Uh, sometimes uh, it's not a, a good contact because of the design of the frame or some of the equipment on the bike, but we'll do as good as we can. And then uh, ultimately, we're interested in where the knees are touching the bike. Now, when you go from a seated to a standing position, knee position changes. Uh, it'll generally come back and up. And if you think about when you stand up, how you're between your knee and your hips go, it, it makes sense. You can visualize it pretty easily. But when we're standing, we need to have some flexion in our knees. Uh, that allows us to absorb some good bump energy. 
But a lot of times people don't have very strong legs, so they tend to stand too tall. They lock their knees. And the problem with that is that if you're going along in the rough and you happen to hit a bump, uh, the suspension is not going to absorb all that bump energy. It's, it's, some of it's going to come up through the foot pegs. It's going to bounce you up into the air and off the foot pegs. And if it's a hard hit, it could even throw you over the handlebars. So the idea of locked legs is okay if you need to rest, but do it on a relatively flat, smooth surface. When you get back into the rough, you need to flex your knees. Then um, we move from the knees back to the hips, and of course they're up off the uh, seat. And, uh, but we're interested in core tension. The idea is that if you're totally relaxed in your abdominal region, uh, your upper body is not very stable. So one of the things we want to do is, uh, you know, just kind of tighten it up a little bit. And the way that you can do that is to visualize somebody grabbing you by the top of your, your head, uh, your hair, and just kind of lifting you straight up. And when you do that, try not to use your legs. Just try to do it with core tension. And what you're doing is you're recruiting some of those uh, abdominal muscles, uh, especially the psoas, and you're just getting a little bit more stable at the hips and at, the, at your core. And that allows you to be uh, much more aggressive in terms of going forward or back or left or right on the motorcycle. You had a, a really good example where you, you talked about standing up on the ball of your feet um, and then also using a two by four. It's just interesting when you when you think all that through of how what you're really doing with your bike when you're standing up like this is you're extending the suspension as well, aren't you? So the suspension will take a certain amount and then your legs become part of the suspension. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, today's technology is fantastic. Um, I mean, you just look at how much travel... Uh, the forks have and the rear shock and um, how the dampening works. It's, it's, it's amazing uh, what we've, we've seen over the last few years. But the reality is that suspension is not 100% effective. There's always going to be some bump energy that the suspension doesn't get, and it's going to come to you up through the frame of the motorcycle. And so you can use your lower leg, you know, your calves and inside your calf is a muscle called a soleus. And that's a pretty good shock absorber between your knee and your hip. You've got your quads in front, your hamstrings in back and your glutes, your butt muscles. Those are really good shock absorbers. And by the time that bump energy uh, gets up to the base of your spine, it's pretty well gone because you've absorbed it uh, down low. Uh, the idea is to protect your spine and then ultimately your neck and your head from that bump energy if uh, any way you can. I really enjoy doing our rider skills segments because I truly believe that one of the great things about riding motorcycles is that you can always improve your skills no matter how good you are. And if you're serious about riding your adventure bike, I mean, as an adventure bike, and improving your skills, then one change you may want to consider is the foot pegs on your bike. IMS Products is a sponsor of this show, and I think it's worth mentioning to you that we only accept advertisers 
that we believe make quality products and that are applicable to you, to us as riders. And IMS is definitely one of those companies. Now, you may wonder why you would need to change your foot pegs to begin with if you bought an adventure bike. And that's a valid question. Here's the deal. Manufacturers produce for the masses, and that's not a bad thing. It's what you have to do when you produce something like that. But even they know that if you're really into using the bike as an adventure bike, then, you know, you're probably going to want to do a few mods. And one in particular is the foot pegs for sure. And I'm just going to tell you from personal experience with the IMS foot pegs that I ride on, it's been totally positive. They did what they were supposed to do. Actually, no, they, they immediately exceeded my expectations. They didn't just do what they were supposed to do. From the moment I opened the box, they said quality right off the bat. Then when I mount them, they mount quality. I mean, everything's there. They mounted no problem. And then when I stood up on them, it's a world of difference. And I don't mean even just feel and connection, but bike control. Drop by their website and check them out. They've got a full line of adventure pegs, www.imsproducts.com. And of course, anytime you're dealing with them, tell them that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio so they know that this works for them. www.imsproducts.com. Well, uh, we're working our way up in the standing position from the foot pegs. And the next thing I'm interested in is your back. So a lot of people will... Uh, kind of have a rounded back towards the front of the motorcycle and their shoulders will be closed. And uh, the, first of all, it doesn't look very comfortable at all. And it turns out it's not a, a very athletic stance either. So one of the things we're interested in doing is to open your chest up a little bit, which means bring your shoulders back. And a real simple way of doing that is to just pinch your shoulder blades together a little bit. And, and I'm not talking about a lot, uh, maybe half an inch or an inch, just some tension. But as you pinch your shoulder blades together, then you're going to notice your shoulders coming back. And all of a sudden now, you're able to hold your arms up much more efficiently because you're using the broad muscles of your back instead of the rotator cuff and the smaller muscles in front. So if I'm riding all day long, then it's going to be a lot easier for me to keep my arms up. I'm not going to have to hang on to the grips because I'm using those big muscles in my back and, and not the small muscles in front. So it's just one more technique or trick that allows me to be more efficient on the bike hour after hour and, and at the end of the day to still be smiling instead of sore. So the back, uh, we've worked our way up to back and shoulders. Now we think about our arms. The idea is that I want to have my elbows up because it allows me to be much more mobile with my upper body and to be able to let the bike move around under me because I can push and pull easily with my arms. Now, when I say push and pull, I'm not really saying use a lot of muscle to push or muscle to pull, but rather I'm letting the bike move under me and I'm letting the bike sort of pull my arms long or as the bike comes up in front, I'm allow me to bring my arms back. I'm letting the bike do the work and I'm just kind of following it and controlling it. So I call that the plane of control and I think one of our other sessions we've spent a lot of time on it, so I don't want to spend too much time here. But the idea is in that scout position that I'm trying to find a, an athletic posture 
that allows the bike to do what it was designed to do. And I'm basically in a neutral, energy-efficient position that allows me to focus on control and having fun and not working so doggone hard. So basically, if you were to look at a rider doing this properly as they go along, I guess the rider would almost be holding in one position as the bike sort of bounces up and down, going through whatever terrain you're going through. The, the rider almost wants to glide along as if it was, wasn't connected to anything. Yeah, now that's the neutral standing position, the scout. But, um, you know, that's not always the way it is. Uh, a lot of times we've got to compensate for the forces of acceleration or the forces of braking or going up hills or going down hills. And so we need to then have some options, some other skills in our toolbox to be able to, to handle that um, with a lot of control and not too much effort. So let's talk about acceleration for a moment. So if you think about it, when you roll on the gas and the rear tire is starting to push the bike forward and the front end's getting a little bit light, the bike is trying to accelerate under you and that your mass is an object at rest and uh, it's trying to stay behind. The, the, the bike's accelerating under you and, and so it feels like we're being thrown backwards. Well, actually... Uh, the bike is becoming what the physicists call a reference frame and it's accelerating forward under you. And so that's when we really tend to grab the handlebars and hang on. And we, we really don't want to do that for the reasons we've already talked about. So I need to be able to compensate for that acceleration. And the way I do that, either seated or standing, is just before I roll on the gas, I fold forward into what is going to be the acceleration. I can compensate for the bike moving forward by me getting forward first. Now, I'm not talking about too much time. It's a split second. But just before I roll on the gas, I'm going to fold forward into what we call the attack position. We're going to attack the acceleration. We're going to attack the terrain. We're going to move forward, uh, sometimes aggressively, sometimes not. But the reality is we always need to compensate for uh, acceleration. The other thing uh, that we use the attack uh, position for is if we're standing to ride and we're moving pretty fast, maybe we're up in third, fourth, fifth, or even sixth gear, there's a pretty good wind blast onto our upper body. And uh, we call it parasitic drag. And it's tending to push us backwards off the bike. And that wind blast, uh, most people are compensating through their hands and their upper body. And we can use the attack position to fold forward into the wind uh, and then ultimately find that perfect angle where the wind is holding our upper body up and um, we're not using our legs quite as much. Now, it sounds kind of weird what I just said, but when you try it and you feel it, it's kind of like, oh, this is cool. This really works. But um, you, you can't really write about it on a page or talk about it here. I mean, you got to feel it. But once you get it, it's like, oh, I want, I want more of that. This is really cool. That I'm folding forward into the wind blast is kind of holding me up. 
my legs aren't working too hard and I got really soft hands and I want to do this more. You know, let's, let's keep doing this all day long. The, the other thing that the attack position is really good for is uh, going uphill. Now, remember we talked about gravity neutral in the seated position and in the scout position. Mm-hmm. If I'm going up, if I'm going uphill, is there still a gravity neutral position? Um, yeah, as, as you start to fold forward, there's going to be a position there where you're going to have it balanced. Exactly. Now, it may be that depending on the pitch of the hill, how how steep the hill is going up, your whole body may need to come forward. Uh, that your knees are coming forward on the gas tank, and that you're folding but um, you're getting as much of your body forward as you can. On a really steep hill, you may look down and you may be able to see your number plate or your, your, your um, headlight lens. You're that far forward. Now, obviously, if you've got a windshield, that's not going to happen. It's going to limit the amount of attack that you can do. But uh, your whole body is moving forward into an attack on some really steep uphills. And the benefit is there... Now I'm not falling off the back of the motorcycle. Uh, I don't have to hang on with my arms. And I'm pushing weight down on the front tire so I'm not losing my steering. I'm creating traction on the front end by coming forward. But uh, when in training, one of the things I do as a coach, I just kind of visualize. I said, what would that rider do if they took their hands off the handlebars? And... Uh, if it's clear and obvious that they'd fall over the back, you know, off the back of the bike, uh, they're just not attacking aggressively enough for that particular hill. But the reality of it is once you get it, then hills become much more uh, efficient, m- more fluid, and a lot more fun. The same thing that we'll be talking about in a minute, only in reverse, is the braking position. Okay, so let's uh, let's say we got over the top of the hill and now we're back down on the flat and it was so much fun, we want to turn around and go back down that hill. So a uh, couple of things to think about because we're talking about traction. If, if And I'm going to talk about braking traction for a minute and then come back to the downhill. So when we're on the street, uh, how much of our braking force is from the front brakes and how much of our braking force is from the rear brake? You, you ever read anything about that? Well, sure, and I guess that depends on the rider when it comes to motorcycles because we have the, in most cases, we have independent operation of our front and rear brakes. But, I mean, most of your braking will come from the front in a panic stop or a hard stop on the street. I would think over 80%. Well, the, the numbers are kind of up for discussion. But uh, a while back, there was a pretty comprehensive study called the Hurt Study um, that uh, ultimately came up with a conclusion about 70% of our braking force comes from the front brakes and about 30% from the rear. Now, that was on the street in good traction. Now, what if we aren't on the street, but we're in poor traction on the dirt? And uh, we do... Uh, you know, the heavy front braking, whether we use front brake as our primary. Uh, and so now we've got this braking force uh, up forward, down at the contact patch of the tire. 
where's the mass of the motorcycle um, and what's it doing while we're braking? Uh, it's going down. If, if you're, as long as your front tire is getting traction, it will be going down slightly because of the compression of the forks. Okay, so that's the effect. The mass of the motorcycle uh, is probably between your legs, you know, down just below the seat, and that is higher and back than the contact patch of the front tire. So, so you're talking about rotational force? Is that what you're referring to here? Yeah, it's kind of a, a rotational force. But um, the front tire at, down at the contact patch is going backwards. That's the friction force of the brake. While the mass of the bike still wants to go forward, it's an object in motion. That mass is up uh, higher. Generally, it's uh, oh, between your legs uh, under the front part of the seat in the gas tank. But the idea is that it wants to go forward, so normally we'd worry about a stoppy. But off-road, uh, we're not always straight up and down. So if there's a little bit of a lean, then it tends to bring the back wheel around to the left or the right and sets up kind of a slide, which in turn sets up a kind of a crash called tucking the front end. So uh, off-road, this idea of the front being primary just doesn't always work. So generally, we start to visualize the rear brake as our primary brake, and our front brake is supplemental. And that's to keep the bike as stable as possible in poor traction. So the way it would work then is uh, I'd step on the rear brake first, I'd stabilize the bike, and then I'd add front brake as I need it. And that keeps the bike going straight ahead and settles the suspension. Just It's got a lot of benefits. So on-road, front brake is primary. You generally go to it first and then add rear brake. Off-road, rear brake is primary, and then you use front brake as supplemental. Anyway, so I can uh, affect my braking forces with the body position on top of the bike as well as, you know, the sequence of, of control. So anyway, um, now we've, we've turned around on the top, and now we're ready to go back down uh, the hill. Um, one of the things we've really got to think about is controlling our speed as soon as the front wheel drops over the top of the hill. What a lot of people think about is, uh, uh, well, they get going and then they say, oh, I'm going too fast. I better break. Well, that's too late. You've got to control your speed from the top. And we're using our rear brake as primary. So uh, we're applying it first. And then we're using our front brake as supplemental as, as we need to. But as we're going down the hill, there's a weight bias transfer uh, just simply because of, of gravity. The front wheel's getting heavy and the rear wheel's getting light. So we need to push our body back uh, into a braking position. And uh, the limit of our braking position is the length of our arms. We don't want to go back so far that our elbows are locked. Just before the elbows lock, so we've still got a little flexion, is about as far rear as we can get. We can go lower, and, and sometimes even though we've got some tension in our legs, our butt's just touching the seat. But the idea is to get as much of our rider mass, our dynamic weight, back onto the rear tire to push that tire into the ground to use our primary rear brake.
And as we're going down the hill, if we need to, we'll add a little front brake. But as soon as we start pushing the front end, then we got to get off that brake because we're, we're going to go down if, if we don't. The idea is that we're thinking about traction as we're going down the hill. And we're managing traction with body position and control function. Ultimately, uh, the steepness of the hill and the train is going to control our success. Uh, sometimes we get in a little over our head, but uh, that's a different class. And also the confidence thing, isn't it? I mean, sometimes it's just having the confidence to go ahead. You, you may have the skills or at least the basics of them, having the confidence to push yourself to keep going. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's that's the value of uh, practicing and, and just getting out there and doing it and doing it and doing it. There are a lot of times where people just want to jump on a bike and they go out with their buddies and they're having fun and they're not really thinking about skills. Um, sometimes you just need to get out there by yourself, you know, and just stop. Recall that picture in your mind, what it is you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. And then in a pretty controlled situation, just practice over and over and over with the ultimate goal of, of these things that we're talking about, body position and control function, becoming automatic. Uh, the, the idea is I'm going to make the bike an extension of my body. I don't have to think about this stuff. It's just going to be automatic. And then I can really have some fun. So just to do a little recap, if I can here, what we're talking about here is, is getting ourselves, understanding what a neutral riding position is, and then understanding how we can modify our position on the bike to um, maintain traction or to change traction as we need it and understand that we want to do it as we're riding. Yeah, maintain traction because we're compensating for physics. We're compensating for this idea of uh, inertia. Um you know, taking us forward or holding us back. And, uh, you know, once we put all these things together, it's just like a no brainer. It's just so simple. But in the beginning, it's kind of like, Oh, this is tough. Well, stick with it. It's going to be okay. Because once you get it, it'll be there for the rest of your life. And ultimately it'll become automatic. And the, the quality of your riding will just, it'll go through the roof. And, and when you go on these trips, uh, you're not going to be working as hard and you're going to have a lot more fun, you know, so think it through, do your homework and put in the effort now because it's going to pay off big time later. Coach Ramey Stroud. You can find out more about what he does by visiting his website, www.ridecoach.com. And as always, that link is in our show notes.
I just want to remind you that this episode was made possible for you today in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com, Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com, Green Chili Adventure Gear at www.greenchiliadv.com, and MotoBreeze Chain Oilers, www.motobreeze.com. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and to you, the listener. Thank you for being a part of this. You can drop by our website, www.adventureriderradio, download all of our shows. You can get the show notes as well, and we've started doing transcripts since January for Adventure Rider Radio, so you can uh, read the different parts of the show, in particular one like this. You can go back. It takes a few days to get them up, but you can go in and you can check out what the coach had to say and maybe pick out those little details that you might want to read again. Of course, you can just listen to the show again as well. Hey, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to help out, the show is built on a model of some advertising and listener support to make it work out. We'd appreciate you dropping by the website, www.adventureriderradio.com. Click on the support button, see what we've got to offer. Anything $10 or more is going to get you a sticker sent back at you for your bike, toolbox, or whatever. Anything $50 or more gets you a mention on our other show, Raw. Um, and also we have our monthly um, program that you can get through Patreon. So you just go on there and you can put on anything, $5, $10, whatever you want to do a month. And boy, if everybody did it, we would be in such good shape here. I'd really appreciate you dropping by and checking out that patron link and, and see if it works for you. Thanks very much for listening. My name's Jim Martin. Now it's time to get out there and ride your bike. See you next week. Hi, this is Janelle Kaz, aka Moto Gypsy, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Ah!